Sly Dog Music Cast. Now here's your host, the Sly Dog. Hello and welcome back to the Sly Dog Music Cast. I'm your host, the Sly Dog, and welcome back to the second episode of Prince Month. We're doing the triple threat. Tonight we're talking about Prince's 1999, and I have a returning guest. He once asked a lady cab driver if he could use his tears to pay the fare. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> professional podcast guest, Andy Shaw. There we go. Yes, sir. Sly Dog, it's great to be with you, sir. I'm I'm feeling that big Sly Dog energy that, you know, in uh, that captures, you know, Brian Lennon's soul. I don't know what uh, magical powers you possess over him, but just talking to you here, I'm I'm feeling the vibe, the the big Sly Dog energy. So, uh, whew, it's getting a little hot in here already. I like that big Sly Dog energy. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, I don't know how I ended up becoming like the the guy that he reports to either but it, it just kind of happened and hey i roll with it well he's he's intimidated by you i think he said yeah or he I makes don't... no you make him nervous that's what it was and i have no idea where that comes from so <laughs> well you are such an intimidating figure i mean right, yeah, yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I mean i mean he jokingly called me the don corleone of podcasting so <laughs> Indeed. And then, of course, once Craig smells blood in the water, I mean, he goes into full Jaws mode and he's oh, yeah. all over that. So then I got to just tag along for the ride on, uh, you know, Craig Smith's coattails. Absolutely. <laughs> all right. So I'm, I'm. thank you again for doing this. Um, you were kind of one of the first people I thought of when doing this because I thought of your episode with Craig where you guys talked about going to Paisley Park. And yeah. I presented this to you and you kind of helped kick off this whole idea I had to do the triple threat albums that kind of encompass that tour because you told me this great story about how you first heard 1999 by prince so why don't you tell me how you got into prince and how you first came to hear this album because i need the details like you just gave me a little taste of it sure sure okay so uh this album's released in the fall of 82 october 27th eighty two. Okay, October 82. So I would have been just in uh, the beginning of third grade. So I grew up here in Northeast Minneapolis, which was uh, at that time 99.9% uh, .9 white. <laughs> like that, <laughs> it was the whitest white side of town here. And what happened was they wanted to integrate some of the schools. So they ended up taking a bunch of us, you know, white kids, and they shipped us across the Mississippi River over into North Minneapolis. And North Minneapolis is predominantly black. Uh, so that the Mississippi River had a very definitive uh, dividing line there in the early 80s. And not only were we going to the, you know, the quote unquote, the, you know, black side of town, but it was also in the middle of the housing projects. <laughs> so uh, if you've seen Good Times, please tell me, you know, what Good Times is. JJ Walker. No. I, no, those are the monkeys album good times. <laughs> okay. <laughs> On one side of the spectrum you have the monkeys good time album. On the other side of the spectrum you have the classic 1970s TV show Good Times which was about uh it was a Norman Lear show about a, a black family growing up in a housing project. Okay. Uh, okay. We're we're in a schoolie on some old school TV here. Excellent. Uh, so so I was in a very urban neighborhood uh, of my elementary school, and uh, I, I think it was one of the greatest things that ever happened to me was to be essentially reverse busing, you know, shipping the, the, the white kids, quote unquote, into the, you know, the, 
the black side of town. Uh, it it did a lot for me as far as integrating with kids that weren't in my neighborhood. I mean, there, like I said, there were no black people on this side of town. Now, over the years, it's gotten much more integrated. So Minneapolis is much, much cooler city now. Um, but, you know, I'd go to school and the, the, you know, the kids I was going to school with, they were into Prince and Michael Jackson and run DMC. So that's how I got, you know, uh, indoctrinated into all this music. But the main thing was our bus driver. I think his name was Reggie and he was a, a, a large African-American gentleman. And he had on the, he had the big boom box on our bus and he had made, he must've made a mixtape of Prince and the time songs. Because I I know all these songs ever before I you know bought the actual proper albums. Now I I do believe he took out the more you know uh, head uh, sister you know from the <laughs> from the early albums the graphic but, stuff <laughs> yeah the real graphic stuff but everything else I remember hearing because you know uh, like I said it was just from the bus ride uh, to and from school every day you just heard these songs. Uh, and then we're going to copyright Lady Bus Driver. That's a copyright Eric Miller joke. Uh, <laughs> as I told him the story as well, I think on one of our uh, live uh, Pods and Sods episodes. So I, I really got, you know, I really heard these songs, but never knew what the album was because it was all just a mismatch of print stuff in the early 80s that was I was getting fed. So, uh, so yeah, it's... Uh, it wasn't until I bought the album years later that I was like, oh, I know this. I know this song, too. And not just the radio hits, you know, Delirious in 1999, of course. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, awesome. So, yes, that's yeah. So that's kind of how uh, I got, you know, indoctrinated <laughs> into Prince songs is to and from this uh, on the school bus every day. So that's really cool. And like, how wonderful was that? That like you got to kind of, you know, step out of the culture you kind yes. of were raised in and experienced something a little deeper. I love that because, you know, I, I kind of know what you're talking about where I grew up. That was like, it was very, very white. I think there was like, and I'm, this is not hyperbole when I say this one black person, like in the County I grew up in. Well, well you're from North Dakota, Alex. So yeah, I understand. Yeah. <laughs> so it was, it was a uh, very, very white. So what a, what an interesting experience that must've been. And also, that kind of clued you into a different side of like the music world because Prince probably at that point wasn't an MTV star yet, or like, and Michael Jackson was probably just on the cusp. Run DMC hadn't released Raising Hell yet, so no. you're getting an early exposure to all this great music that was going to be later widely accepted. Oh yeah, exactly, exactly. And and you know, with Run DMC, uh, you know, John Lamoureux, our our good friend from yes. the Hustle podcast conveniently located easily located on all your pod feeders uh podcast feeders um you know he had daryl mcdaniels on and i had relayed my story to john about you know this like growing up you know here you are integrated white and black kids in the same class you're you're you know you're hanging out and your your pals and everything but you don't really have much to talk about and music was kind of that common denominator um so i really got you know, exposure to, like you said, music, I probably never would have listened to <laughs> left to my own devices here um, growing up. And uh, I, I do think it was, it was, like I said, this was probably the greatest experience is going to that school, uh, the uh, Mary McLeod Bethune elementary school, North Minneapolis with the Phyllis Wheatley rec center attached to it, where 
uh, Phyllis Wheatley Center was actually where uh, Flight Time Ooh. in Grand Central would, uh, I think, hold gigs sometimes in the in the 70s. So, of course, that's, uh, you know, Flight Time and uh, Grand Central were the Jimmy Jam and the Prince's first group and uh, Morris Day and all those guys were in those bands. So That's incredible. Yeah, you were right yeah. there, like, in the... In well, the I wasn't, history. but... <laughs> I know that's it's still cool though because it wasn't that far removed from that stuff like exactly exactly and you know what and I didn't get the old the old man did not spring for MTV until uh, uh, 1987 is when we finally got oh, wow. cable yeah I was I was the one of the last kids on the block so the only time my my brother and I would catch MTV is if we stayed over at my my mom's uh, side my mom's parents my grandparents and uh, so that's how I grew up watching you know, all the videos and then uh, also Friday night videos, which used to be on NBC after the tonight show. Yep. <laughs> so you'd have to stay up late on Friday night to catch, uh, you know, twisted sister. We're not going to take it. Did you ever watch night flight? I, I did, but I don't remember as much of that. Uh, Cause I think by that time, you know, we had MTV and that was really, you know, you put the channel on, you put it on MTV and it was locked. And, but then I was, you know, with my poppy, sappy uh, pop music taste, I'd have to flip it over to VH1, you know, <laughs> and catch some uh, uh, Bruce Hornsby in the range and uh, boy meets girl waiting for a star, star to fall. <laughs> All those kind of songs. They had VH1 in, in the 80s. Oh, hell yeah, brother. Yeah, because MTV came out in like, what, 81? Yeah. And then about four or five years later, I think is when VH1 came out. And that was kind of like for, you know, the adult contemporary hits and the stuff for the parents to watch. Because there was always a lot of uh, a lot of 70s stuff they'd play and then they'd show, uh, oh gosh, like some old Paul Simon song you know videos and uh you know kind of like a lot of the artists that were around from the 60s and 70s but were still releasing music in the 80s that's where they would kind of get re re eh, relegated to that's really interesting like i i i just think of vh1 as kind of a newer thing because i associate with like <laughs> brett michaels rock of love and stuff like that <laughs> oh, oh, oh flavor flave hogan knows best yeah <laughs> okay knows best oh jesus christ yeah, that's what I grew up watching on VH1. Yeah, there there was no reality programming. Um, uh, Peter Noon of Hermits Hermits. You, ah, yes. Yes, okay. So he used to host a show. Oh, gosh. I think they would play a lot of the old clips from, like, you know, Ed Sullivan. Like if the, you know, Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons had been on Ed Sullivan or the Supremes or the Four Tops. Um, so then Peter Noon had this. God, I forget what the show was even called. But it would just basically show old. 60s variety show songs and that was awesome to watch too especially me being a huge lover of the 60s stuff very cool nice i, I love that little sidebar there so yeah yeah i'll do my little history so I've, I've talked about how i got into prince a number of times on this show so i won't go too deep i mean my listeners know but long story short is i didn't really hear a lot of prince music growing up um <laughs> it was more hard rock and stuff like that and the prince songs i did hear it was stuff like kiss so, which, you know, to a rock kid, that just kind of sounds a little weak. But when I started listening to Pods and Sods, and they went album by album with Jeff Harris. <laughs> yes, got, yes. Great I like, run. I was like, I should probably, like, listen to Purple Rain, like, because that's, like, a culturally important album. And I bought it, and I put it on, and I was just in awe of 
of like how was I missing this music? Like this is insane. And like I listened to I got the CD in the mail and I listened to it and I literally like went to Barnes and Noble that night to buy more Prince music because I was just <laughs> I just fell in love with it. And one of those early purchases was nineteen ninety nine because I figured that would be, you know, that's one of those classic albums. Yep. But it took me a while to kind of fall in love with this one. This one was a little like as we're gonna talk about, like this one is very this is funky, but like this is like hard funk. This is like ten yep. to seven minute like funk workouts where it's not necessarily like a pop song. It's more like a groove. Yes, exactly. And and sometimes I think it suffers a little from that as well. You know, nine minute songs, uh, you know, it's great to have maybe one or two on it, but not like five. <laughs> yeah, it definitely took it took some time. Like it, it, it grew with me over years. Eventually it was kind of yeah. like, okay, I like this one. And then that one kind of sticks in your head. And then you, you realize you like most of the album. So you just play the whole thing. And then eventually you yeah. just kind of fall in love with those last, last few stragglers. So yeah, it, it is. I also think it's a ball. It was a ballsy move on Prince's part. Cause he'd just done dirty mind. He'd just done controversy yeah. two st short, straight to the point albums that were just really punchy and in your face yeah. song. Like none of those songs ran really long on those records. I think even like Dirty Mind might be a 30 minute album. Um, I think you're right. Yeah. If I'm remembering correctly. So I, I, I can't help but wonder what Warner Brothers was thinking when he presented this <laughs> 70 minute behemoth of a double album to some, as an artist that's only had one top 40 hit at this point. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's the same thing they said after 1999, you know, he had the success with the, uh, you know, little red Corvette and uh, delirious and all that. And then he's like, well, yeah, well, let's let's do a movie. And they're like, wait a minute, you've only had one huge breakout <laughs> video on MTV with Little Red Corvette. And, you know, you've hit the the pop charts now. We, we don't just go doing a, a movie. Prince, it's zero to 100. It, it's there, oh, there yeah. is no there's like, OK, I did this. Now I want to do this. Like yeah. I, I, I conquered the world. Now I want to take the moon. That's that's Prince. <laughs> That's Prince in a nutshell. So yeah, he went. He definitely went into this album, I think, wanting to do something a bit more expansive. Um, I'm sure he was no stranger. Like I'm not really that up on the single releases. Like, but like I know his single releases could be longer or extended. So I wonder if this was just his way of like, what if I took that and made an album with it? Mm, sure, yeah. sure. So, so you said you didn't get into Prince until you heard Pods and Sods. So that's yeah. like 2017, then. Yes, sir. Wow, so that's only like six years ago for you, man. Yeah, but I went, I went deep. I like before the year was over, I'd heard most of the catalog. Wow, and yeah, I you should have you should have heard the episode I did with I don't know if you heard, I did the Graffiti Bridge album with Craig, I think like three years ago now, and he was just in awe. Like I was quoting stuff. He's like, "How do you know all this?" <laughs> uh Graffiti Bridge and uh, Glam Slam. Yep. Glam because Prince had the nightclub that he opened in Minneapolis called Glam Slam. Um that actually I used to go to in about oh gosh. <laughs> I must have been 20 because it was Thursday nights you could, you know, 18 plus. Uh so in 94, 95 is when I was going to Glam Slam. And it wasn't anything too crazy of a nightclub, uh, you know, considering it's Prince. Um yeah. but I remember there was a shooting there. 
And eventually then they had to put in the metal detectors at the front door. And that was like a big deal. Like, oh, my God, we have metal detectors. And now that's, you know, sadly, the state of the affairs of the world today. That's like elementary schools have that yeah. kind of or or should have that if they don't, sadly. Um. So, gosh, it's only six years ago. Wow. Yeah. And he's, that, he's become one of my favorite artists. Like, I just yeah. I'm, in, I'm in awe of what he does his work ethic, his writing abilities, his vote, his voice, his guitar playing. Like I, he might've been from another planet for all we know. <laughs> now. Uh, yeah. I, I hate to keep going back to my, my close personal friend uh, uh, who, who shall remain nameless, but has a, a podcast. Um, he had interviewed Steve Lillywhite and Steve mm-hmm. Lillywhite. I know made the comment of, well, Prince was great and all that but he lacked the one thing which is to be able to self-edit and i was like holy shit i never thought about that here you go like we're talking like nine minute groove songs like well, maybe it could have been six minutes or so you know <laughs> and uh the fact that he had to push so much product out you know because he was so prolific and and look how much stuff's still in the vaults <laughs> I mean, oh, I know, right? if you look at what's been released in the last since his passing it's mind-boggling Oh yeah, this this 1999 box that I have here. There's like two yep. CDs of Vault tracks. There's yep. the B sides. There's a concert in here, and there's a DVD of a concert. Is that uh, is that the Detroit concert? Uh, is it, I think it's so. like Detroit and is it Dallas or Houston? Yep, that's correct. Yep, yeah, those are great. Oh yeah, and and then you have to take into account, you know, when Prince is doing this album, he's also doing the Times album. He's doing the Vanity Six stuff. It's just like, did did this guy ever sleep? <laughs> I I wonder that sometimes. Like I read these like Dwayne Tudal books that like kind of yep. go day by day on what he was doing, and I'm just like, when does he rest? Like, how yeah. does he just not pass out? Like it's <laughs> it's insane to me reading some of those stories. Like the like he was like. Inhuman. I don't oh, know how he did it, man. It's insane. Yep. And uh, here's some more colors. So also on the on the school bus, there were two albums that you know kids used to bring their boom boxes onto the bus. So if, you know when we had you know when different grades when I had different bus drivers that didn't have a boom box, kids would bring their own on, and you would have like three boom boxes going on a bus, and there was always two albums they played. It was either Thriller by Michael Jackson or Purple Rain by Prince. So you could hear different songs or even, you know, different parts of different songs that people were playing in different parts of the school bus. It was always, uh, it was pretty wild. And I think I remember some Duran Duran getting thrown around there too. So, uh, Oh yeah, that's some Rio and all that's, that good that's stuff. That's prime Duran time for sure. Oh yes. Yes. So, I mean, yeah, Alex, since you weren't there, I mean, good Lord, you were not even, that's 10 years before you're even born. Uh, Thriller and Purple Rain. Uh, I don't think I, very few, I can't think of many albums that had uh, as big of a impact on, uh, you know, my, my youth um, where just everyone had them. Everyone listened to it. Uh, maybe like Guns N' Roses Appetite for Destruction is about the closest thing I can think of or uh, yeah. Dr. Dre, the chronic or, but even that wasn't wow. even that wasn't as big as how Thriller and Purple Rain were. 
it's so crazy like this is a sidebar like yeah. to hear you say that the chronic was an album that like everybody you knew had because oh, I, yeah. I remember buying that in high school and it just scared most of my friends <laughs> but you, you, you gotta remember where i was growing up of course i was growing up in rural north dakota but that album just scared my parents and scared my friends and i'm like this is incredible right right where i'm living in the heart of minneapolis and uh you know, you could be driving around uh, Lake Nokomis. Uh, it's a big, was a big cruising spot uh, for the kids, and you'd hear it out of everyone's car. Uh, you know, you'd hear "Let Me Ride" and oh, uh, yeah. oh which I still love. Uh, even though you know, when I listen back to some of those albums now, it's not as it does it doesn't hold up the the memories. But "Let Me Ride" is the is the bomb to me on that album. So. Oh yeah, yeah. They're, they're, that that listening to it back to it now, even I'm kind of like, uh, but. Let me ride and nothing but a G thing. Oh and, yeah. Uh, uh, what's there? There's a cut on there with like Lady of Rage and RBX that's really good. I remember that. But oh yeah. yes, I can't think of the name of it right now. Oh. There's, that, there, there's like that sample at the beginning. This is a public service announcement. <laughs> and then just I used to love cranking that up in my car and just like the speakers going. Yeah, that's great. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, this is fun. We should we could totally do, do like a podcast with so many different artists. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, as long as we're talking about like excess songs and stuff like that, we mentioned yeah. this box that has a bunch of rarities. There's two I wanted to touch on. One was yeah. the potential first single, which we'll get to later. But there was one you wanted to talk about. Uh, yes, one that's a little near and dear to your heart <laughs> your, because it's a very Minnesotan thing to say. Eh? Oh yeah, don't you know? Uh, yeah, you know. Yeah, you know. Yeah, you know, uh, when I first heard that, I was laughing my ass off because he's doing the total Minnesota Scandinavian accent thing. And, and that's pretty much throughout the whole song. And uh, I never knew he was that, uh, you know, had ever did that uh, accent before. And uh, it's, you know, this is what, uh, 14 years before the movie Fargo. So... <laughs> <laughs> Which is when when the Minnesota accent thing really, uh, uh, you know, the doors blew off the uh, the hinges with that. So uh, so yeah, no, it's just a it's a nice groove uh, of a song, but just him uh, just kind of cracking wise throughout it, doing the Minnesota accent thing. Don't you know? Yeah, um, it's uh, if you haven't heard it, highly uh, highly suggest it. 
Absolutely. And I swear I can hear in the fade out, he says something about Luther Fisk, but I, I, I'm not sure. Oh, Luther Fisk. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure. I, I can't make it out, but I swear I hear that in the fade out. He's doing that. He's talking in that voice. Yeah. Yeah. Luther Fisk, you know, as much of it's, as it's talked about in Minnesota, you know, I'm not of Scandinavian uh, descent, uh, more German Czech background, but Luther Fisk, the, uh, you know, the Swedes and the Norwegians would make this, uh, almost like a creamy fish thing and it just sounds disgusting yeah. and as as for much as uh, minnesotans joke about it i don't know if i've ever really seen anyone serve it anywhere <laughs> <laughs> oh man Ugh, so, i just uh, <laughs> yeah awful. exactly don't you know don't you know but yeah so kind of before we go into the track by track yeah this is the second part of uh the tr the triple threat month i'm doing uh, the first part's going to be with Jeff Harris. Going to record that later. Oh, nice. Going to cover Vanity 6 and the time in that one. So uh, if you're here now, make sure you go back and listen to those if you haven't yet. Because that's a lot of fun. Uh, but yeah, we're going to go track by track on 1999. This is Andy's pick. Uh, one last thing I wanted to ask you before we went into these tracks. Yeah. Uh, so you mentioned the bus driver kind of edited the uh, the tape did, yeah. any, did anything questionable make it through that years later you heard? <laughs> like, oh, I can't believe he left that on there. Oh, gosh. You know, he kind of kept it to the main pop song. So, you know, Delirious in 1999. So, like I said, from, from what I can recall of, you know, October of 1982, uh, we said, um, I don't remember it being too scandalous. Um Especially because, you know, I would have been like nine years old <laughs> and half the stuff probably would have gone over my head anyways, uh, you know, on some of these tracks. But uh, I don't remember Lady Bus Driver being played. I think that one definitely would have stood out <laughs> with oh, the uh, moaning and groaning in the background. <laughs> and this is for, you know, this is for the rich people that can't give. Uh, uh. <laughs> God, that part is amazing. <laughs> All right. it, it's certainly of of its time <laughs> all right well let's dive into this track by track 1999 track one side one the first song and the first single we are greeted with a robot voice uh, welcoming us to 80s funk just working with the groove with a great pop hook over top of it and 
I always thought that it was interesting that the first singing voice you hear on the album isn't Prince, it's Lisa, and then yeah. Des Dickerson, and then Prince, because I, I find it interesting that Prince would like give that up to someone else. It's still surprising to me, even now. Uh, but it lets you know right away you're in for a party on this album. But I feel like the whole album kind of has this apocalyptic undertone. Like, yeah. the songs kind of feel like menacing and mechanical sometimes. And so there's always this undertone of the apocalypse, I think. Uh, recorded in Prince's home studio, July 1982. Andy, what do you think of this song? Oh, man. Uh, it's uh, I've heard it being compared to a, a Sly in the Family Stone uh, set up like when you said with the, the different vocals, you know, kind of how Sly Stone would have, uh, you know, the different people would grab a verse or something and in the uh, chorus or whatever. Um, so it definitely has a, a family uh, feel. You know, he's sharing uh, he's sharing the vocal love, which uh, pretty rare for for a guy who is, uh, you know, seems like he always wants to be in control and the, the center of attention as well. Um, but, uh, just, uh, I mean, from the, from the opening, you know, few bars, I mean, you're hooked, it, it hits you and you're along for the ride, okay. even as you're talking about, uh, you know, devastating nuclear winter. <laughs> Mommy, why does everybody have a bomb? <laughs> <laughs> I'll never forget hearing that for the first time and just being yeah. like, whoa, because like, I, I'd heard the single version of it. And then you you get the album and you hear that you're like oh like th this is this is really serious <laughs> oh yeah 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 it definitely uh, took a little bit more liberties like you said with the album version versus the uh, the seven inch single that was released so oh yeah and I like your comparison to Slide the Family Stone I kind of see what you mean this is like I want to <laughs> take you higher kind of yeah 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 nice well this song was actually re recorded twice once in 1996 under the title 1799 this version was never released and again in 1999 under the title 1999 the new master uh basically prince kind of re-released it to compete with uh the record label warner brothers kind of pushing out 1999 and the greatest hits collection again because of the you know the new millennium coming so oh, yes. this is a way to kind of compete with it but prince kind of under promoted the single and it didn't really go anywhere i listened to it um, it's got Larry Graham doing the Des Dickerson part, and it's got uh, Rosie Gaines singing Lisa's part. It's not bad, mm. but yeah. there there's so, there is something magic about this '80s like Minneapolis funk sound, which is something I just love. Those those really big synths and like oh, yeah. 808 drums hitting, so cool. Yeah. So uh, so like '99. What are you like six? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that sounds six? about right. Okay, so. Starting at about uh, New Year's Eve 1998, going into New Year's Day 1999, this song got one hell of a lot of airplay <laughs> for a song that was like 17 years old at the time, uh, especially here in the Twin Cities uh, on our radio market. Uh, by, by the time we got to New Year's Eve 1999, I was like ready to puke if I ever heard this song again, because it just kind of, you know, got overplayed and... I remember I was working with a lady and she was in a, a choir group and they were of course doing 1999 for the um, Y2K concert they yeah. were doing and all that kind of crap. So it got a little uh, sickening there in that, in that year, of course, uh, just the overhype exposure uh, to the song, but sure. uh, yeah. And, Prince and uh, 
and Prince retired it temporarily after that. Like he performed it at that that New Year's Eve paper oh. he did that year. Yeah, the song is that he was never going to play it again, but he did bring it back in 2007. Okay, so eight year hiatus there. Okay, and then um, when you did Paisley Park, did you do the VIP experience? The the higher, I did the one that was just under the highest one. Okay, did when they took you through Paisley Park to the different like Studio A and Studio B, did you get to see the Lindra behind the glass? I did, and I was just like, there was that moment of just like, holy shit, like, <laughs> like that that little box there created all this music that you just adore. Lit little it's, box. I mean, that thing was the size of a suit, like an old '70s suitcase. I think was, <laughs> you know, because growing up, you know, drum machines when I when I was a kid, you know, were just the you know the pads and you know like the size of a shoebox. This thing's the size of a large suitcase, and. uh uh, you know, when, when I had done my first Paisley Park tour, I did the same version you did. And they made a point of pointing it out behind the glass. And uh, I think it was Studio B. Yep. And then when Craig Smith came to town, uh, just like a few months later, and he had bought the VIP tickets. And then unfortunately, uh, uh, Megan couldn't come from Chicago. Um, so I got to go with them and, you know, we did that and they didn't even point it out. So I had to like, Hey, Craig, look, look through the glass there before we have to leave the room. And he was like, Oh my God, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> that's crazy. Uh, I, I guess I pictured it'd be bigger because the sound it makes is just so yeah. like, huge. But you gotta remember, this is like 1981 technology. <laughs> yeah. yeah no, and it was it's funny the funniest i have a funny gear story with for prince actually you ever hear what happened to one of his uh early keyboards uh no so he was touring he was opening for rick james and uh he had like this like really cool like new keyboard at the time and rick james stole it used it to write and record super freak and then sent it back to prince (laughs) he took all the all the potential energy out of it to write super freak uh sucked all the the nutrients and <laughs> stem cells from it and then ships it back to him and like hey you can you see what you can do with this so what's left on it uh <laughs> sorry i didn't clean off the cocaine <laughs> <laughs> yeah true true it is rick james uh, circa 1980 that's uh, i'm sure some prime cocaine years right there oh yeah <laughs> And we got to talk about what was the original first single. The original first single was Turn It Up, uh, but was eventually replaced for this song. Uh, what'd you think of that song, Andy? Of its time, it's uh, it's got uh, you know, it's got some groove and um, just uh, just a classic Prince 
uh, you know, song. <laughs> it's funny. I can tell he put a lot of work into that one because some of those demos, you could tell that they weren't quite finished. But mm. that one, you could tell, like, I thought, like, okay, like, he, this was ready to go. But yep. I'm, I'm glad he chose 1999 because I feel like that's a little catchier, a little more ear-grabbing. But it was an interesting thing that he left kind of behind now. He had a full finished single ready to go that he just left behind. Oh, right, right. Yeah, and uh, I got to say for, for a lead, you know, for a lead single, I think 1999, yeah, is the way you would want to go because it just kind of, like I said, it once it kicks in, I mean, you're just, you're along for the ride and, you know, 2000, zero, whoops, party out of time and, or party over, whoops, uh, out of time and uh, you're just hooked on it. Yep. So. Got to number 44 on its initial release. Uh, was re-released uh, a second time after Little Red Corvette took off and got to number 12. Oh, wow. All right. Moving on to track two, we get the second single and the one that got the album off the ground. Our first dose of Horny Prince, but it's cautiously <laughs> Horny Prince. Little Red Corvette. I guess I should know By the way you parked your car sideways I don't want the kind of person that believes in making out once, love them and leave them fast. I guess I must be done, cause you had a pocket full of horses, children and some of them used. But it was Saturday night, I guess that makes it alright. absolutely one of my favorite Prince songs ever. I never tire of hearing this. I think the lyricism is clever and well thought out. Um, I love his voice in this one. Like it's just everything about it is like, it's just intoxicating. Like the synths and the build and then the guitar coming in with the choruses. And I always find it interesting. Prince does not play that guitar solo. Des Dickerson does. Oh, hmm. so, yeah, this one got to number six on the charts. It helped kind of save the album that was floundering. So this is a very important song to Prince. It kind of it brought people out to the shows. It got the album going. What do you think of Little Red Corvette, Andy? You know, this is definitely one that has grown on me over the years. Because uh, like like I said, I didn't have MTV. Uh, and I don't remember this being on a whole lot. You know, Friday night videos back in the day. So I never really had that much exposure to it. And I don't really remember it a lot on, you know, radio growing up. Um, so it was, you know, like I said, after, you know, the after Purple Rain and all that came out when I got 1999 is when, you know, I really remember hearing it for the first time. As, as weird as that may be, because this is the song that kind of, you know, pushed them uh, through the, the stratosphere on the pop charts. Um, but yeah, like you said, it's uh, it's definitely grown on me over the years, just like the, the clever metaphors that he uses in it. Um, and, and the guitar work is uh, is just awesome. So, oh, yeah, she had a so, pocket full of horses, Trojans, some of them used. <laughs> Very nice, sir. So cool, yeah. And that final section where he goes, does the girls got an ass like I've never seen, and it goes for that high note, just oh chills hair on my arm stands up every time yep yeah no i hear you you know it, like i said it, it it took me a while to get come around to it but it's definitely uh uh you know one of the top uh prince 
vocals and songs for me. So that's interesting that it took you so long, but yeah, I, yeah, I don't know why that is, but uh, just, just, I think cause I had heard purple rain first. Yeah. Like this one, I don't remember on the bus driver's mixtape as much. Yeah. He he would have had to cut it early. (laughs) (laughs) True. True. Uh, Delirious. I definitely remember. And to me, uh, well, we're, we're getting, I'll hold that off to, right. for the next well, one here. Well, the last thing I'll say, say is this song would, this would be a mainstay for Prince for the rest of his career. This might not have got played at every show, but it was one of those songs that he definitely kept around. And what's funny is that when the tour started for this album, he didn't even always play this song every night. It wasn't until after hmm. it took off as a single that it got added to the set list as kind of a permanent fixture. So it's interesting little factoid there but yeah great okay. song love it let's move on to the third single from the album yep. one that i call funkabilly rock delirious Andy. See now to me to me and what I can recall of uh you know 82 83 t- uh, era this was the big hit. Now uh you know it certainly uh helped that little red corvette kind of paved the way for Prince and pushed and probably made it easier to get delirious um you know up on the charts on uh, on radio. But uh to me this is the biggest song that I remember hearing. Um Probably because the the lyrics are a little easier to uh, have have kids hear it. I don't know, man. This one's a li- this one's really dirty. I think <laughs> it, it gets it gets hidden a little easier, though. That's true. I, maybe as a kid, you're like, "Oh, this is fun," but then as an adult, you're like, "Oh, if you d- girl, you got to stop because if you don't, I'm gonna explode." And girl, I got a lot. <laughs> <laughs> sure, you know he could be talking about you know he's chewing gum. It's gonna explode. You know the bubble. Uh, blowing bubbles with this chewing gum yeah doesn't yeah doesn't necessarily have to be bukkake <laughs> <laughs> hey what are we in like 30 minutes in and fly dog is already making uh uh rude uh comments uh sexual innuendo <laughs> uh, actually I, not even innuendo he's just coming straight out <laughs> <laughs> i told you this episode's gonna have some fluids <laughs> Yeah, but I agree with you. This song is super bright. It's bouncy. It's fun. Like, I just ima- I imagine if you saw him live and he played this, this song was a lot of fun to hear live because it's just, it's so lively. Um, it got to number eight. And what's interesting to me of all the songs on this album that got videos, and there are two more other than 1999 and Little Red Corvette that got videos, this one did not. Yeah. So this song got to number eight in 1983 without the help of MTV, which is interesting to me that they never even like did a little like one-off performance video for this one yeah yeah it, and uh you know that uh do 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 it's so damn catchy i mean hook hook line and sinker i'm in on this song 
So. Yeah. They, they made a hook that wasn't that wasn't even like a vocal. So that's yeah. Yeah. Easy. And then what's with the baby cry at the end? <laughs> I never understood that either. Um, but I remember other songs in the eighties would, would throw some like a baby thing like that. Uh, I can't think of another example, but there's, Oh God, there's another pop song that did kind of the same thing. And, uh, and for Minneapolis radio. So we have the uh, top 40 station in here, uh, KDWB, affectionately known as K-Dweeb by, uh, by some folks. And even in the late 80s, Delirious would get radio play at night, you know, with, uh, oh gosh, so late 80s, we're talking, you know, the uh, the Debbie Gibsons and Expose, oh, wow. <laughs> Taylor Dane, Tiffany. Uh, Tiffany, and then you'd get a Delirious thrown in in the mix as well. And I remember in the, even in the nineties, I was working with a guy and he was from Texas and we were listening to the KDW one day during the day and delirious came on. And I remember him telling me, he's like, man, you can tell this is Minneapolis. And I'm like, why is that? He's like, well, they would not be playing a Prince song midday, you know, uh, <laughs> that's, you know, whatever it was at the time, 15 years old. <laughs> uh, and I was like, yeah, good point. Yeah. Minneapolis radio definitely embraced Prince. So yeah. Hometown hero. Woot, woot. Absolutely. And interesting little fact. I don't know how deep you go into like the Prince, like B sides and unreleased stuff, but he kind of seemed to be into doing this little like funk version of rockabilly sound at the time. Like he, the B side of this was a song called horny toad. That's just, which yeah. is very much in the same vein as this one. And there's yeah. like three or four songs on the, in the 1999 box set that are again, kind of in this, same vein like you're all i want and uh can't think of the other one now but there's another one on there too so he was into doing this like style of music at the time yeah yeah and, and like we said just uh the amount of stuff he was able to pump out is just un just still amazes me to this day um and uh and even with, with this album here the sequencing i mean they they've loaded all the big hits right in front okay. you know We've only done the first three songs, and those are the the three biggest songs on the album. Yeah, those are the three that everybody's gonna know. There yep. are there are two uh, foreign singles left that we'll touch on, but yeah, this is the end of the U.S. singles run. Yeah, so I I can't think of uh, unless it was an album like a Janet Jackson Control or Rhythm Nation. Uh, or Appetite for Destruction by GNR, where where the album has so many of the big stuff hitting you right at the right at the beginning here yeah that's true that's that front loaded <laughs> yes and i did even read online that some djs would back in the day like just put the first side on and let it play and you get like a block of bird songs <laughs> that because they were going to go snort some you know more white powder like you're referring to earlier with rick james in the the back room with the uh the promo guys from warner brothers uh Oh yeah, gotta get a little bit of the devil's dandruff up your nose when <laughs> Prince is playing. Hell yeah, or uh, maybe they, you know, one of the gals called in uh, to request a song, and she was going to come down to the station and meet the DJ. You know, you never know. <laughs> Stranger things have happened. Yes, and uh, this next song would be the perfect soundtrack to that. Opening up side <laughs> two, uh, let's pretend we're married. Thank you. 
some hard electro funk. Like there is, there is no, I don't think there's any like live instrument on the song. And what I mean is I think it's, I'm pretty much sure it's all drum machine and synthesizer. Like I don't even think there's a live bass on this one. Um, I've read that Prince was really inspired by Gary Newman. And to me, this song kind of pulls from that influence. Like I, he said once that Gary Newman is this like underrated genius that most people don't understand. So I think I hear that influence the most on this song. And it's just a song about trying to hook up. The title, my guess, is we're pretending to be married to make God happy because Prince was a very religious guy. Yeah. Um, also, what an opening line. Excuse me, but I need a mouth like yours. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> Lots of tasty chimey keyboard action. I love this song. Uh, there's some great one-liners we'll touch on in a second. What do you think of this one? Oh yeah, it's uh, again from the from the first few bars. You're 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 in on this bad boy, and you're along for the ride. Um, I love that. Uh, you know, if you're free for a couple of hours, if you ain't busy for the next seven years, <laughs> I mean that is just uh, that's a great line right there. Uh, oh, yeah. But yeah, it, I, I, interesting about the Gary Newman. I, I think this is where Brad Page would uh, turn off the, uh, <laughs> the podcast episode here. Um, but yeah, I suppose that uh, that is a, probably a good uh, good comparison of where he was getting his influence from. Oh, absolutely, this bad yeah. boy. Yeah, and it's interesting to me that like I've always found, found that like an interesting image in my head. Like I can't imagine like Prince sitting down and putting on the Pleasure Principle or replicas and going, "This is it." This guy gets it. <laughs> so. Right. And years later, Gary Newman, after he heard that quote, would uh, repay the favor by covering a Prince song. And it's good for a laugh. Which which one did he do? You Got the Look. Oh, really? Oh, I'm going to have to listen to that. It's it's fine. The, the problem is Gary, I love him. I'm actually a big fan of Gary Newman, but he does the robot thing so well that he doesn't have, I don't think he has enough human in him to deliver that song but that's just me <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you got the look is it just kind of is it monotone-ish uh, it, 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 it's very how, how do you... you walked in i looked up i've never seen a pretty girl look so tough she does the lines too short like hmm. yeah well he needed sheena easton you know really yeah, yeah he needed a, yeah. a, a foil <laughs> and speaking of one-liners I sincerely want to fuck the taste out of your mouth. I mean, that's an edgy line for an album in 1982, like on a major label album. Yes. I sincerely want to fuck the taste out of your mouth. That is incredible. I was wondering, I was wondering when you first told me that the bus driver was playing this, I was like, all I, cause you didn't explain that he'd edited it at the time. So I was like, wait, even like, let's pretend we're married. <laughs> Yeah, like I said, it was it was basically. I think he must have he must have just taken songs and dubbed them onto a cassette, because um, it wasn't. I don't remember. Like, I I knew most of these songs by the time I had the album. Um, I just you know it's just you know we're talking. Oh God, sadly, forty years ago, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, but I remember, and he also mixed in some time stuff because I knew a lot of the time songs having never bought the cassettes and then you know years later when i when i got into the time i'm like why do i know these songs like they're just you know embedded in my brain and it's because you know you hear them on the bus every day like i knew see uh the the cool um off the first time album um and that thing i don't remember getting a lot of radio airplay even around here 
Uh, but it was just etched in my mind. And like I, I, when I bought the tape and I heard it for the first time, I'm like, yeah, I, damn, I know this song. And you know, I started listening to the rest of them. I'm like, yeah, I know this stuff. Oh, sp- uh, speaking of which here, sir, I should tell you, I have uh, recently purchased some concert tickets for me and uh, the missus. We're going to go see uh, St. Paul Peterson again. Nice. Um, with the uh so he goes well the band name goes by saint paul and the minneapolis funk all-stars so in uh uh so jelly bean uh johnson will be there again dr fink should be there again and then uh, well pretty much all the the people i saw last uh labor day weekend uh and i know i you've seen some of those uh videos i'd posted on facebook oh yeah so that's at the uh, the end of april here we'll go see them again and then i bought tickets because i heard morris day is going to be retiring after this tour that he's currently doing. So I got tickets to see him down at uh, one of the casinos here. So I'll see him and whatever the, you know, the current version of the time is. Um, Cause I, I, I said, you know, I, I've always wanted to see more stay in the time. And I just never, for whatever reason, just never had the opportunity. Uh, so when I saw these tickets go on sale, I'm like, damn it, it's now or never. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Definitely go see him. I saw him. I think I saw him, it was either 2017 or 2018, I don't remember, but I saw him and it was phenomenal. Like he's still got a good band with him. Yep. Um, he, he He's down a couple uh, original members now. Uh, Monty was still there when I saw them. Monty's not there anymore, oh. Oh. but uh, they, they've still got a uh, jelly bean on the drums oh. and Morris. I think, I think those are the last two standing for the original seven, but yeah. Yeah, well, you got Jerome still, right? No, he's got someone else playing Jerome now. I got to have a Jerome. If I'm going to go see Morris stay in the time, you got to have. You get Thomas now. <laughs> well, you know, uh, Jerome, uh, you are aware. This is a kind of a, a little known fact, but that's Terry Lewis's half brother. Oh, I didn't know that. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, I had heard that years ago. And I've and I've told people like you know our music nerd podcast friends, and they're like, "What? That's that's Terry's brother." I'm like, "Yeah, they have different uh, dads, but the same mom." And I think that's how Jerome got hooked into everything, kind of doing the valet thing, is because he was just hanging around with you know his br- brother's band practice. <laughs> and uh, hey, we need a guy to bring a mirror on the stage for Morris to check out his uh, his look. Oh, okay, I can do that. <laughs> Yeah, I heard it was li- it was just totally improv. Like Morris said, somebody bring me a mirror, and he just did it as a joke. Yeah, and <laughs> he said Prince fell over laughing, so it, Prince decided, okay, you're going to be part of this now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then I think he also really was the valet for the band when they were on the road. So like that was his real, you know, his real job yeah. <laughs> was like you know getting Morris's uh, you know dry cleaning done for the next before the next gig. <laughs> Probably. I, 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 I would believe it. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah. I'm glad you get to see him. It'll be a fun show. Did you check out the, what is supposed to be the final Morse day album? Uh, you know, I have not checked that out yet. I, I definitely need to. It's worth a listen. There, there's some good yeah. stuff on there. It's, I won't call it a perfect album, but yep. there are some enjoyable funk, funky songs on there. Okay. Yeah. You know, and uh, we'll, we'll digress here a little, you know, his, his solo stuff is kind of a mixed bag. Yeah, yeah. So. I, I I own a few of his solo albums. I own Color of Success. I have yep. uh, the one with Fishnets. I think that's called Daydreaming. I have that one. 
the daydream and, that sounds right yeah and then i have the one he put out in the early 90s that's like super new jack swingy yeah <laughs> yeah definitely trying to keep up with the uh the times on that one and uh kind of falls a little short uh yeah yeah i'm, I'm glad i have it but yeah it, i can't say i play that one a lot <laughs> <laughs> got it <laughs> Yeah, to bring it back to uh, Let's Pretend We're Married, I got a few more facts on it. Uh, This was a single in Australia. It got a music video. Um, The music video features a shortened version of the song, so we don't get to see Prince deliver the line, I want to sincerely fuck the taste out of your mouth. And this song was covered in 1984 by Tina Turner. Oh. And it was included as a B-side for her single, I Can't Stand the Rain, and was in the set list for the Private Dancer Tour. It was her opening number. I did not know that. Yep. Interesting. So yeah, I dig this song. One of my favorite tracks on the album. But next, next we're going to move to what might be, it, it ties with another song as possibly my favorite song on the album. DMSR, or as the chant goes, Dance, Music, Sex, Romance. <laughs> like straight up funk workouts it runs almost 10 minutes and it never feels as long as it is you just want it to keep going it's just fun it's just meant for you to get on the floor and shake your ass and there's like a lot of (laughs) a lot of quotable one-liners in the song um uh some funny moments with the clapping you know all the white people clap your hands on the four note and it gives (laughs) it gives the white people a chance and he's like one two three one two three (laughs) so yeah i love this song it has that apocalyptic party vibe that started at the beginning of the album coming back again what do you think of dance music sex romance andy uh definitely one of my if if not uh top god i'm screwing this all up this one is definitely one of my top prince songs uh you know the the damn groove on this thing is boom doom doom dance music sex romance and that uh and that keyboard hook i mean like you said this is this is the ass shaker (laughs) of if not of not only the album but might even of his his uh whole discography um i mean this bad boy uh yeah this gets me on the dance floor every time i hear it and uh what is it yeah it's like nine nine and a half minutes or something uh and it's every minute is just glorious (laughs) every minute is perfect yeah yep. and, and prince throwing some like 
so his own inside jokes in the song with Jamie Starr as a thief. Yeah, yeah. It's time, it's time <laughs> to fix your clock, Vanity Six is so sweet. Now you can all take a bite of my purple rock. <laughs> oh, you know what? I just looked it up. It's only eight minutes and 17 seconds, but it feels longer <laughs> even than that sometimes. Um, yeah. Yeah, this is a song I had to grow into. Like when I initially got this album, like the middle section, Let's Pretend We're Married, mm-hmm. this song and the next one, that was a hard road to, <laughs> to a song to ride through originally <laughs> because it it just like I didn't have a lot of experience with this type of music with like funk or R&B where it's not always about like a pop song structure, it's more about a feel yep. or a yep. groove. So it just didn't make sense to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, this is definitely the groove uh the groove right here now where in where in north dakota again are you from like what's the nearest big town uh the nearest big town is either bismarck or dickinson oh boy <laughs> got it got it so uh yeah there's there's probably not a lot of groove music going on in uh no. <laughs> dickinson north dakota no it's it's either classic rock or like yep. country like what was at the time modern country now i guess it wouldn't be you know modern country anymore <laughs> sure sure yeah yeah no uh i i this th- song though man i uh i it's your foot is tapping the whole damn thing through uh you just can't n- not move to this song right i i can't i can't not imagine not hearing this song when i hear this album and what's crazy is when this was first released on cd they cut this song from the album for space oh that's right i forgot yep. all about that if the only way to get it on cd for a while was to get the risky business soundtrack <laughs> the guy was on that too man i should have done more research alex it's a good thing i have you here sly dog oh yeah you're schooling no. me here i do my homework i do my homework <laughs> also what is going on with vanity at the end like where she's like somebody please help me oh my god like what <laughs> <laughs> like it, it's, it gets a little like seedy at the end for a second. Like what's happening? Uh, you know, I think that's a theme on some of these songs too, as we'll, we'll talk later. Uh, there's, there's definitely some, uh, you know, background uh, sounds and voices and the speaking parts that, uh, you know, don't quite hold up as well <laughs> in modern times here. Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. You wonder what's happening there. Yep. Um, I, I another thing I did hear around this time that Prince loved to watch David Lynch's Eraserhead when he wasn't working on music. Like he liked to watch the movie Eraserhead over and over again. And if you've seen that, you know that's a really weird, surreal movie. So it's a weird, surreal moment in the album. Sure, sure. But yeah, DMSR, great song in the top three on the album. Next, you thought that was long and groovy and funky. <laughs> We're going to really stretch it out now. (laughs) You ask me if I love you, it's automatic. It's automatic. 
another Australian single. This is one of the darker songs on the album. It's a nine minute song that's just about sex and obsession and S&M. And another one where I think you can kind of feel the Gary Newman influence on the music. It's very mechanical, yep. very robotic. Some of these keyboard sounds like, you know, they're, they're, they sound like machines. It's really, it's really stiff sounding. Like the song never really speeds up. It kind of chugs along. Yep. It never speeds up. And it builds and builds to this point of like, you know, he's obsessed with this girl where he'll like let her do anything to him. And it kind of builds until like, at the time, I didn't realize it the first time I heard it. But when I watched the video, it made sense. I realized this song builds into an S&M scene because in the video, Lisa and Jill Jones tie him to a bed and start whipping him. Yeah, yeah, yep. And <laughs> There's the part in the song where the voice says, I'm going to have to torture you. And you hear like someone start to cry after that. So he built this really dark, obsessive love song into an S&M scene. And it's just insane it, it, it feels long sometimes but i never skip this one just because i always listen to it and i'm always fascinated by what he's doing what he's saying and then that guitar solo incredible yeah. simple yeah but effective so not my favorite song on the album but one of the most fascinating ones what do you think of automatic yeah yeah definitely get the new wave influence on this bad boy uh very um you know european new wave-ish <laughs> uh groove to this and uh you know the the lyrics too like oh i'm addicted you know i'm addicted to your pleasure i'm addicted to your pain and yep. like oh my <laughs> yep. don't torture me don't torture me <laughs> it's it's automatic yep. <laughs> undress me yep. automatic yeah. oh yeah this is this is a weird one for sure I, I i can only imagine what this must have been like live back in the day that had to be like an intense performance. <laughs> yeah. Well, and especially like you said, you know, here we've, we've went from, uh, you know, uh, 1999 delirious and uh, DMSR, you know, here we DMSR, especially, you know, you get the groove and then boom, you're going into automatic, you know, <laughs> it's a, it's you a got, different vibe. Yeah. You, you, you've moved from the dance club to the S and M goth dungeon. <laughs> Although on the L on the the dual album, this was the yeah this was the first song on the second album. Yep, first so song did, side C. Yeah, yeah side C. So you did have a, a palate cleanse after you know turning taking the other record off and putting this one on, but uh, it's uh, yeah definitely like I said, kind of a, a, a even like a monotonish uh, kind of a groove thing. Yeah, this is the only one that feels its length to me these days like like i said even though i enjoy it like i sit and i'm like okay it, we're, we're we're chugging along when are we gonna get to that guitar solo yeah <laughs> uh trippy trippy song i love it this was the other one that got a video um i'm surprised that like there's certain videos that get made and i'm like wonder like what made you think this would be arable because they end up tying into the bed and whipping i'm like who who thought yeah, that'll that'll fly uh, yeah. on MTV? That'll be good. Yeah, the the Reagan conservative moms of the eighties won't have any uh, objections. The the oh or the Tipper Gores of the world, uh, right? Right. Which will come back to haunt Prince on his next album. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Yeah. Automatic. Interesting song. Uh, next, we move into. One of my absolute favorite Prince songs, one of my absolute favorite vocal performances, 
Some days my favorite is DMSR, sometimes it's this song. Something in the water does not compute. Some people tell me I got great legs. Can't figure out why you made me big. Does not compute. Does not compute. You think you're special, well, so do I. Why do special women make me cry? Does not compute. does not compute yeah another one that's very robotic yep and it kind of feels like a response to the other song it's a darker song these prince is kind of lashing out at this person that's hurt him and his vocals on this one just make the hairs on my arm stand up especially when he starts screaming at the end and he delivers this incredible line you know you think you're special well so do i why in God's name do you want to make me cry? Like it's cool, it's futuristic. There's little synth noises like that riff you pointed out. It keeps that apocalyptic vibe going on. Like yeah, it's and also just at the time, you know, something in the water does not compute. I imagine that feeling like a very futuristic song title to someone buying the album in 1982-83. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Kind of like a Blade Runner esque is what it always reminds me. Uh, old movie with Harrison Ford, yep. kind of you know this futuristic world, uh, you know with the computer and and everything, definitely of its time uh, of of that uh, you know kind of a a pop apocalyptic future. Um, say that five times fast, um, <laughs> but yeah, definitely definitely the vocal stands out on this bad boy uh one of the greatest performance on this album yeah that's, um that's so so cool and this is a song that later he would kind of bring back but he would revamp it in a different way he kind of slowed it down a little bit made it more piano based um but it was still a like a highlight like if you if you see footage of it live it, it's insane what he could do with this song i think this is one of the live songs they played for us at paisley park when we did the tour oh, they yeah, showed a I think Craig mentioned that. Yes, yes. I yep. Because I remember him and I. I remember when it started out, you couldn't quite figure out what song it was, and it took a little while till we got to it. And then I was, and then I think Craig's like, "Oh, this is something in the water does not compute." I'm like, "Is it?" And I was like, "Oh yeah, I guess it is." Because he kind of tweaked, like you said, he tweaked with it. Yep. Yes. Yeah, so. That was not the song I got. I got. We got something from the musicology tour. I can't remember what it is off the top of my head. It was a lot more rehearsal based, so it wasn't like one big long song. Yeah, yeah. We we got, you know, different clips on the tour, like uh uh the Bobby uh Bird song. We got uh Prince singing um oh god. It's one of the hip hop samples. Oh god. Um get on I know we got soul. If he didn't, uh, didn't want to be uh, Bobby Bird, yeah, from James Brown, uh, we got to see, you know, like a, a tour, you know, in between uh, shows or warm up uh, session 
Um, and then this was the concert song, something the water does not compute that we got to see uh, some of, and that was pretty cool as well. So highly recommend the Paisley Park tour, folks. If uh, you're contemplating coming to Minneapolis, it was 85 degrees today and it was April 13th. So we got some, it's not all snow and igloos up here. You can come up here, check out uh, Paisley Park. Absolutely. And I agree. I second that. That tour is amazing. You really get a sense of like the, the world he built for himself where he could like work and just be himself and create his art it's really something amazing so yeah i recommend it too and the thing that i remember the most about my video was um i'd always heard prince was a really good bass player too but i'd never seen any footage of it and i i got to see some footage of him like just going to town on a bass guitar and as a bass guitar player myself that was really cool to see i thought that was awesome yeah well i mean the guy played everything that's the that's the (laughs) The mind blowing thing is could play all these instruments, could write, produce. <laughs> it's like what what was the guy bad at? Right, exactly. I think I think the only area he didn't conquer, and I think even he himself kind of admitted it was like like horns and stuff like that, like saxophones. Like he always mm-hmm. needed someone else to play that for him. But did pretty much everything else. Like if mm-hmm. you think about like the time album and the Vanity Six album I'm gonna talk about in another episode, like that's mostly him. That's mostly him on huh. both those albums. Like uh, Jesse Johnson, like plays on one song on what time is it? Oh yeah. 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 That's true. Um, you know, I, speaking of, uh, excuse me, <coughs> the time here, I, I met a local record shop owner recently and uh, we were kind of talking about, you know, Prince and the time and everything. And he was telling me that he's met Jellybean Johnson a few times and he was like, oh, yeah, I was hanging out backstage one night, you know, after one of his local gigs here. And he was playing the, you know, again, he was playing the bass and was just, you know, slaying it. And I'm like, God damn, that motherfucker plays guitar, drum and bass. And he kills it on all three. Son of a bitch. Life is not fair. <laughs> uh, triple threat. Triple yeah. threat. Nice. And he wears cool hats. I mean, what oh, more yeah. do you need? Yeah, He's a beast. He's amazing. <laughs> Awesome. Yeah. Something in the water does not compute. If you've only heard the hits, go listen to this song. You will, it will blow your mind. Those vocals. Indeed. Uh, Well, after all that darkness, we need to kind of shift the vibe a little bit. And we get a song that starts for some reason with like sounds of the street and someone walking and we're greeted with free, this gentle little piano ballad. Don't Falsetto, um, just a song about appreciating the moment, appreciating being alive and appreciating what you have. And I think his vocals are really good on this one again. Um, it 
not much to say about this one. It's just really pretty. I like the lyrics on this one. Um, I love a good Prince ballad. Um, I know your heart is beating. My drummer tells me so. I like that line. Yeah. Yep. Pretty great song. Also later covered by Sheila E. Hmm. And uh, this one gets a little gospely at times, uh, you know, and with the choir. Um, yep. It's definitely a, a, a different vibe than what's previously been <laughs> the songs before it. So it's a, kind of a palate cleanser here after, uh, you know, S&M and uh, <laughs> yeah. just, all the. Just a jilted love. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but uh, you know this one not not one of my favorite ones on the album, but uh, you know it's, it's all good still. Yeah, it's gorgeous, and I think it's a nice way to kind of transition you into the back half of the album. I think like these yeah. final final songs. And now that I think about it, the sounds you hear at the beginning of the of the song, all of these all these handful of next songs kind of have a very urban city feel to them. Now that I think about it, so yeah, maybe they all work together to tell a story somehow. Indeed. All right, you re- you ready for the big one? <laughs> I'm ready, sir. The epic, get the juices flowing. Lady <laughs> cab driver or lady bus driver? Copyright Eric Miller. Copyright Eric Miller. (laughs) This is a great funk workout. It's just so much fun. Uh, Jill Jones is our lady cab driver. Great guitar on this one. Great keys. Um, I bet this was just amazing live. Um, And we get some straight up like fucking on the album. Just straight up like (laughs) aggressive Prince banging someone in the back seat like with like spring sounds of like a seat bouncing and everything like Total ASMR, just getting in there, fuck fest going on. The song doesn't leave a lot to the imagination, that's for sure. You know, as we're, you know, uh, Little Red Corvette's got a little more, you know, not quite saying it. You know, he's kind of alluding to the the sexual, you know, with the innuendos and stuff. This one, nope, it's it's all right out there for you. Yeah, <laughs> some of those lines are awesome. This is this one's for Yosemite Sam and the tourists at Disneyland. I'm sure the Disney people were just loving this song. Yeah, right. no, why Why do you need to drag us into this, Prince, really? <laughs> right? This one's for the rich folks, not all of them, just the ones that don't know how to give. <laughs> right. And, it's those greedy bastards, I tell you. I'm right? giving it for them. <laughs> this is for Bezos. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. This I got song... a rocket ship right here, Sly Dog. <laughs> oh, there we go. Yes. <laughs> And then after that aggressive fuck in the backseat, we get this great guitar solo yep. uh, and this, the, these keys that are just amazing. And like, you're, it's like, it t- it's just out of this world incredible. And then you hear 
like this, like what sounds like someone gargling, which leads me to one of two theories, either a Prince was getting some sloppy toppy <laughs> or someone gave someone a rim job and they needed to rinse their mouth out. It's one of those two things. I'm not sure which. I think we've surpassed the Billy, your Billy Joel episode here now. Rim job, sly dog. I, <laughs> I can't believe you're saying these terms to me here. Jesus Christ. You got this sweet little innocent face and look, listen to this filth coming out of your mouth. Do you listen to the Pods and Sods podcast? That's, I, I think they've been corrupting your, uh, your sweet North Dakota mind, don't you know? Oh, man. Did you ever watch that live stream I sent you? No, no, I haven't oh, yet. Uh, okay, I, yeah. it's, it's definitely, I need to watch that one, though. You, you, you can see the moment where I broke Craig. You can see the moment on his face where he's just like, like, I, I think he even says, like, I'm in, at one point, like, I'm in shock. Not the, not what I expected when I invited him on. When when you can shock Craig Smith of the Pods and Sods Network, uh, you've you've done some damage, people, let me tell you. I was surprised how shocked he was. Like I, I have listened to many a podcast about him filling socks and <laughs> landing on Andrew Stevens and all that stuff. So I, I really thought he could hang. Yes. You can definitely hear some Skinamax stories from the eighties on, uh, on one of their episodes. So, <laughs> but I think, I think, like I said, you got this, the sweet natured uh, young looking face, uh, sly dog. And then boom. Yeah, you nail us with this uh, aggressive, obscene uh, sexual terminology. No wonder Brian Lennon loves your show so much. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> oh, this is oh, and I should I should uh, plug it here. I'm I am wearing my uh, permanent record T-shirt. Oops, oh, nice. this way. Uh, courtesy cool. of uh, Brian and Sarah Lennon that they had sent to me. Always, uh, always good. And I got to meet them when I went out to, or got to meet her finally when I went out to uh, Pennsylvania recently. Nice. I actually have an episode you did with them uh, queued up to listen to, so uh, that'll be fun. Uh oh. Oh. Oh, nice. For the Reigns concert review, so looking forward to hearing that. Yeah, enjoy, sir. Yep. Yeah, this is the probably the most obscene song on the album, and <laughs> might be. Which is saying a lot. <laughs> oh, definitely. But like, I try to think: is this more obscene than anything on Dirty Mind? Does, does this have we outdone Head at this point? Oh, that's a oh, that's a that's a that's a head-to-head battle right there. Uh, yes. No pun intended, but I'll take the credit. Uh, I think this one might be just a tad dirtier than head. True, because you don't actually get any like slurping sounds in head. <laughs> You're not yep. getting that. Yeah, this yeah. is for this yeah. is for the rich people. Yep. Yep. Oh crap! She's turning blue. God damn it. <laughs> 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 oh damn sled dog you're killing me here today oh god and <laughs> just one last fun fact on this song this, yeah. was the, this was the b-side to little red corvette oh jesus imagine someone <laughs> buying the single and like oh this is a fun little song about a car let's flip over and play the lady <laughs> cab driver song <laughs> holy crap say eh? that that prince he talks pretty dirty don't you know oh yeah <laughs> oh man and then he would take it a step further on the next album with darling nikki <laughs> oh yes yes yep. yeah but, yeah <laughs> lady cab driver not just not just filth great musicianship great guitar playing great keyboard playing like like shout mm. out to prince there because that that big wall of keys that comes in just oh chills you Amazing. know what? 
I don't know. Well, I, I think we've alluded to it a little bit before, but just the the fact that he played almost every damn instrument on this album, except like you said, for some solos by Des. Um I gotta look here. Yeah, I think Des is pretty much the only real other musician on the whole damn album. Right. It's yeah, just I, mind blowing. Yeah, I had to double check because on this song especially, I was like, I wonder if he got Fink to do that keyboard solo because I remember listening to the first time album and there's a song Get It Up on there and that's got a really cool keyboard solo and I later learned that that's actually Dr. Fink playing the keyboard solo on that song. So I was like, okay, I wonder if he did it on this one too. Nope, Prince. Yeah. But they're in some of the, but they're in some of the videos. They are. Yes, yes. So that's probably... uh yeah, probably why I didn't even think about that. Yeah, because Brown Mark, Bobby Z's and something, one of them. Yep. Um, yeah, but uh, like I said, I'm I'm still just in awe of this motherfucker that could just do everything. It seems like. Yep. He, man of all trades. Yeah. So. All right. Well, now that we've lost some <laughs> fluids <laughs> in the in the back of a cab or a bus. <laughs> um we're gonna move to another funky workout yeah uh this is a song that i still kind of have weird feelings on just because i don't know what he's trying to do here that's all the critics love you in new york you can dance if you want to all the critics love you in new york you don't have to keep the beat they'll still think it's neat in new york you can wear what you want to You could cut off all your hair. I don't think they care. In New York. Why you can play what you want to. All the critics love you. In New York. Um, there's a lot of cool little things going on in the background, like with like police noises and there's like the ra- like the radio call. There's a guy. He's definitely masturbating, um, <laughs> and it just doesn't seem like there's much to this song. There's like some fun little keyboard noises and fun one-liners. You know, eighth day yep. of November, we need a purple high. <laughs> a fun song, but not probably this. Honestly, is probably my least favorite track on the album. What do you think of all the critics love you in New York? Yeah, again, you, you're not quite sure where he wanted to take it. I don't even know if he really knew where he wanted to take it. It's just kind of a, uh, you know, you know, groove workout, you know, probably for him. Um, I know I had read like this was kind of like the antithesis of the um, the Rolling Stones uh, concert fiasco when they opened for the stones in uh, LA yeah. before they recorded this album where, uh, you know, they were getting pelted with shit left and right from the angry rolling stones yeah. fans. And then, you know, then I think the uh, counterpoint to that was then he'd go to New York and, you know, then he was being loved by all the, you know, press, um, but just wasn't, uh, you know, connecting with the, uh, the stones fans. Uh, unfortunately yeah uh, i actually met someone i forget what show i went to uh, it was it was either mickey dolan's or uh it was one of the shows i went to at the co- coach house it was either mickey dolan's or ambrosia i went i went to see 
see there. And I was talking to this guy across the table. I was wearing a Prince shirt. And he's like, oh, I was at the show where the Stones opened, where he opened for the Stones, and it did not go well. <laughs> yeah, because I think the, the show ended, and he had, like left the stage and then like hopped the next flight home to Minneapolis. <laughs> yeah, like Mick Jagger like called him and was like, look, you got to come back and just finish it up, man. Like, don't, like, don't let them push you around. Which, right. It's crazy to imagine Prince being intimidated by anyone. Oh, yeah. Like, no one gets the best of Prince. Prince gets the best of you. Yeah. And, you know, uh, at that time, you know, Prince was probably wearing the the little black uh, uh, G-string yeah. uh, banana hammock and uh, the fur boots and, uh, you know, probably a trench coat or something, too. Uh, but you think the Stones fans would have uh, ate that up. It's not like they're exactly, uh, you know, uh, oh, yeah. church church going, oh, my God, he's saying naughty things. Right. <laughs> right. Have any of you listened to Goat's Head Soup? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. Brown sugar. Yeah. Brown sugar. Yeah. Oof. yeah that, songs that have not aged well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Again, there we go. Yeah. Weird song. Interesting way to kind of like be the penultimate track on the album. Like, not a lot to it. It kind of goes on and on and on. Mm-hmm. To me, this drags more than automatic does. But again, not something I would skip. Because I'm, all, I always want to hear my my favorite little pieces about the purple high or yeah, like take this, take uh, a bath, take hippie, a hippie. <laughs> yep. But then we yeah. get we get a hell of an ending to the album, a song originally intended for the time, no less, international lover. some great falsetto from Prince on this one and another scream that just makes the hair on your arm stand up um, I love Prince doing his own version of the flight announcements that are all just innuendo <laughs> laden like, I, I, I make a point to listen to the song every time I'm on a plane now <laughs> just just because just like I, I don't know I feel like I have to um, it's funny that he intended this song for the time originally because I feel like this song is too nice for Morris Day to sing <laughs> <laughs> like, I feel like Morse would be much more uh, 
aggressive. This is almost sweet. Yeah. It's dirty, but it's yeah. sweet. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a that's a good uh, good point. Uh, yeah, I would I could not see Morris doing this one. This yeah. would uh, this I don't think would have worked quite so well. Yeah, like it, it would be it would be weird, and I I don't know that I've ever heard Morris sing in falsetto. No, <laughs> he's too busy to singing like this. Yeah, too cool. Ain't yeah, too, way too cool. Yeah, he's way too cool for the room here. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and this is the one that uh, that Prince got his first Grammy nomination too. Oh wow, I, for, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, which yeah. which still kind of blows my mind, especially you know, for, like we said, the other the earlier songs were the were the hits, and you tend to think those are the ones that uh, you know get more of the the Grammy uh, nomination, especially uh, for how big they got, you know, yeah. on the charts. Yeah, that's but. Crazy. Uh, but yeah, though this is definitely some classic Prince. You know, it's it's dirty, it's naughty, it's fun, it's uh, you know, there's groove. It's do me baby two point <laughs> That's a that's a good comparison. <laughs> yeah, and what a it's a fun way to end the album. You've been through all this darkness and seedier side of things. Now you get a nice little pretty flight home on the Seduction Express. <laughs> <laughs> exactly and in, the, uh, in the event of overexcitement your seat cushion can be used as a flotation device <laughs> might be a little wet but uh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and this this, this and the, what an ending to this album we we sit here at the end of the album just in awe we've heard some incredible musicianship our fluids are drained it's time to ice the genitals because it's like dec decimate your dick december up in here Need some Gatorade, get those electrolytes back, uh, yeah. uh, Sly Dog. Bring cheese, yeah. Get the protein back. <laughs> uh, yeah. Great ending to the album. So yeah, you, you dig International Lover? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, there's so many so many damn good songs on this uh, album. You know, that's yeah. the hard part of like trying to read it. Like uh, DMSR is probably... I mean, I hate to say it's my favorite because it, you know, tomorrow could be a different, you know, it could be, you know, 1999 or Delirious or Automatic, you know. And uh, it was kind of funny because, you know, we originally intended to record this episode a week ago yeah. and uh, I had some things pop up. So we had to change it to, to tonight. And on my Facebook memories it came up from April 13th of 2020. So we were smack dab at the beginning of the pandemic working from home. And my buddy had, you know, done one of those Facebook challenges of, you know, post your favorite 10 albums or whatever. And on this date, three years ago, I had posted 1999 as my album of the day. And when that popped up, I'm like, I got to send this to the Sly Dog. This is this is fate right here. That is fate. So that, would you say this is your number one Prince album, like out of all of them? Ah, uh, see, again, it, it can change by day as well. I mean, I hate to say Purple Rain because it just seems so cliche, but such a fucking good album actually you know the the first i think until we get to um oh god why am i blanking on the one with paisley park uh around the around the world in 80 days around, the world, the, around the world in a day around the world in a day thank you i think until we get to that it really any of them I can switch in that once we get to that one, I, I like the album, but it's probably not in the, the top, but the rest of the, you know, the rest of them, I can just kind of interchange which one's the favorite. Yeah. 
uh, I'm I'm definitely more of the uh, the funk uh, side of Prince here, uh, the early funk stuff. The Minneapolis sound. Oh yes. Yes. Yeah, this is definitely like I like I agree with you. It favorite album changes day to day basis, but it's one of the ones that if I were to really like look at the ones I play the most, this is probably one of them. Like it's up there yep. with like the Gold Experience and Parade and Sign of the Times. Yep. So, yeah, th- this is this is an album I come back to a lot. It's magical. You get to enter a, a totally different world for a little while in this album, like this apocalyptic hellscape, but it's full of dancing and partying and lady cab drivers and fluids and it's eight it's minute trip. songs <laughs> eight minute songs it's 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 a little escape and it's a fun dark escape it's a fun yeah. dark purple escape yeah yeah for sure man yeah so andy this has been a blast thank you for com- coming to talk about this one and thank you for kind of pushing me in the direction i was i wanted to go with uh prince month this year this is going to be a great episode to put out after i put out the first part so yeah yes uh so so you have so you have jeff harris and you are doing you well you've done because you probably released it already by the time they hear this so you're doing the time and vanity six yeah we're gonna do what time is it by the time and vanity six uh self-titled so that'll be a lot of fun to talk about okay and what's the 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 other episode then uh the other episode is uh, that's the other one. I'm, I can't decide if I'm going to split it in two and like have a vanity oh, six and have it. a time and make yep. it three episodes, or if I'm just going to smash it all together and have just two episodes this month because uh, those two albums are light on songs. Uh, like <laughs> the time again, long songs, uh, but there's like six of them. Yeah, I know. That's that's the fun thing about the time songs. There's there's six to seven album cuts per album or cuts yeah. per album. So uh, it's a it's a light discography, but it's a great discography. Oh yeah, those first three that's self titled. What time is it? And Ice Cream Castles, perfect. Yeah, I don't, I don't mind. Uh, let's Pandemonium. See. Pandemonium. Pandemonium's got some good stuff on it, but uh, I think the magic is in those first three. Uh it is. But Jerk Out Man, that oh. was a huge hit, especially here in Minneapolis. That thing was. Uh, big big that was on the radio all the time and uh it's so funny that they did the black donald trump song on that album as well oh, yeah. in 1990 <laughs> and look what happens uh 28 <laughs> years later 26 years later i keep wondering when someone's gonna dig that up <laughs> yeah
but no one has yet. So yeah, that's that that's a weird song, man. That yeah. was written that song's actually older even than that album because it was written for uh what was gonna be an album called Corporate World, which is gonna be more just Morristay and Prince working together. It was gonna be a Morristay solo album following uh Daydreaming. Huh. So, Interesting. But that kind of it kind of got shelved and some of the songs on that album ended up going on to pandemonium hmm, okay. and, you, and you can kind of tell what's what because the, the yeah. songs from the the solo album sessions have a different feel than the time songs like jerk out does or like uh the title yeah. track or blondie sure sure well alex brother if you ever want to do you know step into the uh, jimmy jam terry lewis world of the minneapolis sound let me know i'll come back and uh do some uh, some Janet or uh, um, uh, Alexander O'Neill stuff with you, and I I wish I would have sent you that Alexander O'Neill greatest hits uh, in the last batch of CDs I uh, I sent you, but it fell in my backseat of my car, and I mailed off the box, and I went, oh shit, this is the one I really wanted to give him. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, Andy, do you have anything to plug before we wrap this up? Like, I know you don't have your own podcast at the moment. <laughs> Are you going to be doing any like fun appearances you want to talk about? Uh, well, it just so happens in a couple of days here, uh, uh, my, my friend, uh, John, John Lamoureux, I don't know if you're familiar with him. And then Jan, his producer and I will be getting together to do the, uh, Q1 recap, uh, summary episode of the, uh, the hustle podcast. So always a fun time hanging with those guys and, uh, you know, cracking, cracking John's, uh, busting John's balls. So nice. Drink some herb brew. Yeah, <laughs> which uh, I'm gonna have to see if they sell that around here and buy a bottle. I actually uh, saw I actually saw a bottle at a liquor store recently. <laughs> well, it's it's not booze though, because I don't think Ian drinks. So I I think it's like uh, the Scottish soft drink, like their national soft drink. And uh, in the end, said it's it's the only country in the, Scotland's the only country in the world where Coca Cola isn't the number one beverage. It's Urnbrew. <laughs> so weird yeah exactly yeah. i like i love the name it's a, it's very it's very strong sounding oh yeah definitely like i'll put hair on your chest or maybe take it off depending on how strong <laughs> it is oh yeah if you can handle the brew <laughs> andy this has been an absolute blast you'll definitely be back again in the future i love doing shows with you and, oh thanks uh, brother not, not to stroke your ego too much but i think it was either my biggest or second biggest episode last year. It ended up being Michael Nesmith album by album. So oh, that did excellent. really well. <laughs> oh, great. So, glad, maybe, glad glad to help out the Sly Dog whenever he needs it. So yep. We make a good team, man. Until oh, next you, time, I'm the Sly Dog. Peace, love, rock and roll.
Sly Dog Music Cast. If you want to know what's going on, follow me on Twitter at Sly Dog Music Cast or Facebook at Sly Dog Music Cast. Thanks again for listening. Peace, love, and music.